You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to Army One Colon, a Dalvin Cook podcast, part of the Bay Kings podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, first-ranking officer at the Terry McLaurin Stand Club, diamond mounter at the Jerry Judy Jewelry Company, and BFFs with the Oracle, your humble host, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by some of the guys. We have the Duck Father, DK Metcalf's number one admirer, founder and lone proprietor of the Gus the Bus Four Seasons Busing Service, and caster of the Double Reverse Hutzpah, resident old man Clark Barnes, and Scotty Miller fanboy, Mule Skinner of the Zachary's Decline Wagon, head excavator of the Robert Tanyon Canyon, and proud father of Quentin Nelson, the tight end whisperer, Jordan Smith. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Pretty good. I have to ask, is that the uh, the Four Seasons Landscaping Bus Company, or is that, it is. Is that well, something I, different? I, we have to, I get we'll confused. Have to, Clark, Clark, did you, is this in... Did you create this bus service in uh, in the uh, Four Seasons Landscaping Company? Were you guys working together on this? We do it all. So partnerships, you know, meetups, all kinds of stuff. So if you think that that's why we exist, it, it is. You should just call us. Um, well, there you go. Uh, Clark's, Clark's busing service gets you not only to where you need to go, uh, but also, you know, maybe there's an important speech that you need to give. It can be a it can be a spot where you can where you can give that speech. To. We do have uh, speech buses. Oh, so. perfect! Yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys! Wow, you Gus the bus busing service really offering uh, offering everything. I'm, that's really good for you. Uh, all right, well, we got a lot to get to this week. We are going to talk uh, some waiver wires, as we always do, as well as we're going to look to the second half of the year and uh, maybe talk about some players who we believe, not believe. We shall see. But first, of course, before we do anything, we must get into the news. And to start off the news, Christian McCaffrey returned. What a glorious day for fantasy managers everywhere played the first game since week two uh, and went right back to being RB1 status. And then of course uh, ended with a rib injury and that has him day to day. And now he uh, might be out for a week then, which is just glorious to behold. Uh, first of all, a tip of the hat to the Panthers for making this game, making this a game against the chiefs. They came down to the last second missed field goal, 33, 31. That's uh that's not bad, but for a fantasy standpoint, Jordan, hopefully you uh, held on to your Mike Davis shares. Am I frozen or is I? He's gone. Okay. I'm a little bit far away from the router right now. So I don't know if this is. Might have been premature. And he's got again. Just like Christian McCaffrey, Jordan continues to frustrate owners by coming on (laughs) and off again. Uh, I don't want to talk about how I said you should uh, play Jermichael Hasty last week, but I do want to talk about my prescience of saying probably don't drop Mike Davis yet. So there we go. Boom. Yeah. One out of two. <laughs> Am I good now? I, I feel like I got my connections better now. Yeah, you're good. 
until okay. you freeze again. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's it's good until it's not. Exactly <laughs> what Clark was alluding to. It's Christian McCaffrey playing is good until it's not. Uh, if Hopefully you held on to your Mike Davis shares um, just because for the sake of Christian McCaffrey's prior injury, you kind of maybe you want to hang on to him just to see, even if Christian McCaffrey wasn't like 100% ready to go, he kind of showed that he was, um, he was, I think he was talking about when he first got his injuries, like I'm going to come back like much sooner than the allotted timetable was supposed to be. Um, so I, I don't imagine this extra injury holding him up for too long. Yeah, hopefully not. As I tweeted out from the fake teams account, during the game, the world is fantasy world is just a better place with a, a healthy Christian McCaffrey, uh, especially when he has prime matchups like he did against the chiefs and was really just right back into the swing of things. Uh, McCaffrey obviously wasn't the only injury that went down week nine. We also had David Montgomery, uh, LaVisca Chenault, David Johnson uh, were prime were major injuries. Uh, Montgomery and Johnson left the game with concussions and they're both in protocol LaVisca Chanel left with a hamstring injury though that seems like he'll be uh fine and will probably play week 10 Clark with David Montgomery and David Johnson's week 10 status up in the air are you targeting either of their backups on waivers this week I think Duke Johnson is at least worth a look because the Texans are being so prolific on offense but anyone who watched the game saw Duke Johnson I don't know what happened when he moved south but he just does not look like the exciting running back that the Texans traded for a couple of years ago. So I would enforce on Duke Johnson just to make sure that nobody else picks him up. As far as Chicago, man, their offense is just, it's tough. It's hit and miss. They're staying competitive because of their defense. Um, and I don't know, this weekend of the score ended up making the game look a lot closer against the Titans. The Bears are just getting it done on D. I'm not really interested even in David Montgomery. So I'm not going to be chasing his backup. Yeah, with David Montgomery out and Tariq Cohen out, it's Cordero Patterson who will likely get the handoff. Let's ride and the wrecking knoll. We've we've <laughs> seen, oh yeah, Ryan or Ryan Knoll. I, I kept on saying Craig Knoll on Sunday and I was like, whoa, that's a big Freudian slip for Craig Knoll. Um <laughs> yeah, we we've seen this movie before with Cordero Patterson. It's kind of a start at your own risk thing. That last part came in pretty spotty. Oh, well, it wasn't important. It wasn't important. I was just saying I'd rather target uh, like a Randall Cobb, somebody else mm-hmm. in the offense who's going to get more touches than Duke Johnson. Perfect. Or good because David Johnson is out. Right, right. Good to know. Good to know. That's, don't, don't say that that's not important, Jordan. That's your insight. And the people actively pay to listen to your insight. They don't pay anything, but they do pay with time. Yeah, if you are going to splash around, just mind your D Johnsons. Like, double check before you click. Yes. Make sure you're not picking up David Johnson, even though he's injured. Uh, Another big injury that went down, Kyle Allen broke his ankle. It looked like like (laughs) a very similar injury to what Dak Prescott happened. Now, obviously, Kyle Allen, not likely someone that you were uh, relying on as a fantasy quarterback. However... It is worth noting simply because I think this is good news for scary Terry managers uh, as Alex Smith came in and looked like a very serviceable quarterback and was getting the ball to scary Terry down the field. And this is great news for J.D. McKissick fantasy value, who should be your top waiver priority this week, in my opinion. He continues to cap Antonio Gibson's uh, uh, ceiling. He, he was, I think his snap count, he was like 45, 25, and 1 with Peyton Barber getting one snap. But J.D. McKissick, 45% of the snaps still – 14 targets. He is 
whatever, like a, a very prime cog in Washington's offense. With Alex Smith under center, we saw those 14 targets uh, this week in week nine. I think uh, J.D. McKissick should be 100% the guy who you're going to get on waivers this week, even though he is annoyingly un- unrelenting uh, in keeping Antonio Gibson's fantasy value at a middling tier. I do think he's a good number one target, but I think keeping in mind here, unless I'm mistaken, the Giants got out to an early lead here against Washington. And so the game was set up for the speedier, shiftier receiving back to get more work. Now, everything that you said is still true. It is extremely annoying that he's keeping Antonio Gibson off the field. I wasn't laughing at uh, Kyler getting injured. I was laughing at this being considered a big injury because I think getting Alex Smith on the field is just really good for all the fantasy assets in Washington. And if he stays healthy, he is obviously the best quarterback there. I don't know if they were just really going for an early pick, uh, keeping him off the field or what, but Alex Smith playing for Washington is, is good for your Washington assets. Yes. Yeah. There's some sort of weird loyalty thing going on. Like it's, Jason Garrett, Jerry Jones-esque with Kyle Allen and the Ron Rivera regime. Because uh, Alex Smith should probably be the player. I know he didn't play so well in a couple of games, but it was like the dude just got back from like having his leg almost fall off. So like maybe give him some time to get comfortable. Um, <laughs> you know. One of my waiver, waiver wire ads, uh, kind of low-key, might have to see how this plays out, but Steven Sims, uh, is back from IR. He had a pretty good end of the season run uh, last season. He's uh, primarily a slot player. He got injured after like two games this year, so um, could come back and could contribute in a pretty decent way considering um, Dontrell Inman has been hurt and it's basically just Terry McLaurin. I know you don't want to get too much Washington stock on your team, but just in case. Hey, I mean, we talk about this a fair amount. Like, Yes, you. Yes, Washington is a bad team, and so you would think that you don't really want it. But if they're in games where they have to throw the ball to get back in them, if they're in regular shootouts because they're not that good, but actually that defense is pretty good. But anyways, yeah, I'll buy a part. I'll buy any part of an offense that uh, is going to have to put up, you know, 20 points a game to try to win. Ron Rivera caught astray by me before. <laughs> by with the whole Kyle Allen thing, but I do think he's still a pretty good football coach, so that still gives washington at least some better viability than last year yeah all right moving on he's wide open oh sorry yeah. that's it yeah it is ridiculous that division it's idiotic uh speaking of the nfc east dare i say garrett gilbert didn't look terrible for the cowboys against the steelers threw for 243 yards and a touchdown and a pick uh, he targeted CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup seven times, and Cooper six times. Lamb and Cooper both finished with above six, uh, 65 yards receiving. Jordan, what is your confidence in the Cowboys? Is is it rising? Is it rising with Garrett Gilbert looking uh, halfway decent under center? Um, it helps that he at least looks halfway decent. Um, one of the things is they really got to get Zeke Elliott going, um, and he's just kind of fallen completely off of a cliff since Dak Prescott went out. And I think if he really gets rolling, that really comes down to the offensive line, being able to just play better and being like an acceptable NFL offensive line again. And that will really open up the running game for them and have uh, CD lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper. These are all very good 
pass catcher. So all they need is like, pardon the phrase, but a passable quarterback. That makes me so happy. Good puns. I love puns. Uh, Gilbert is competent. He, uh, they, we actually got to hear Tony Romo call this game. So it was a bit of a delight. We always, or I always bag on bad announcers. So Tony, thank you. Uh, Gilbert led the XFL in passing before it was shut down. And he had a pretty decent college career, just kind of always underrated. And so while it's, it's not really exciting with the talent, uh, as Jordan just laid out, you just have to be okay. Uh, and those guys will take it the rest of the way. So hopefully it'll be a, be a boon for Elliott owners, at least for that magical like four game period before NFL defenses can get you figured out. Clark Barnes dropping some XFL knowledge. That was That's directly never... from old Jim Nance. Thanks, Jim. Ah, Nance. Yeah. look at you. Again, it's amazing what that that is high quality commentating right there that that you get little nuggets that you that stick with you and you can uh, reuse. And since I this since this is so infrequent, who called Pittsburgh playing down to its competition? Yes, on yes, Pod? they looked I, not great. They did not. They did not. We said it on Thursday's podcast that this was going to be Mike Tomlin's greatest accomplishment after becoming the winningest black head coach in NFL history is that he was going to lose to the Dallas Cowboys, and he almost did. He almost did. He was this close. And then Ben Roethlisberger pulled it out of his butt thanks to Juju Smith-Schuster, which got to give props to the Oracle, who also picked the right Steelers wide receiver to uh, start this week. It was a good week for us. Why you tune in? It's like the story of the NFL season. One, one team's trying to show you that they're the most dominant team in the NFL, and then they just, you know, crap their pants against the Saints or something. <laughs> Speaking of they're the Buccaneers... Jordan, what a beautiful segue. Uh, yeah, Sunday night was the first time we saw the Bucks offense with Antonio Brown. Uh, and, uh, well, we saw Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Gronk all with six targets and A.B. with five targets. And Mike Evans posting the best fantasy performance, if you can call anyone on that offense posting a good performance. Since I don't know what happened against a Saints secondary that is ripe for the plucking. It is not like this secondary has been playing at the level that its talent suggests. Uh, and yet, 45-year-old Tom Brady looking pretty shitty. Am I right, guys? Some people say he's the GOAT. I don't think that's true. So, uh, this game got out of hand really early. I do not think the Saints are quite this good, and I don't think the Bucks are quite this bad. So, I'm not panicking about the Bucks. But this was, you know, you turned around. It was 21 to nothing, I think, with lots of time left to go in the second quarter. And, yeah, I, I, A.B. looked quick, and he was getting the ball. He also, uh, a la Mike Evans, the first time he played the Bucks, decided to stop instead of keeping going. And Brady just laid out the easiest interception that whoever that guy on the Saints was will get in his career. So uh, the Bucks are, what, like 6-3 and three now, and New Orleans moves to 6-2. and two. It'll be interesting to see what all these receivers and Tom Brady look like in the playoffs because that's certainly where they're headed. And boy, this game just burned the tape and we're on to Cincinnati, I guess. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's just another one of those games where the presumptive favorite just kind of drops a, a goose egg. And this is just uh, another example of an interdivisional matchup in which the Saints just seem to have the Bucks number yeah. this year. I don't really know what it is. I don't know if the Bucks are coming in just overconfident and they just 
get a little bit dicey or could be a matter of they played them what in week one like that was the first game they took the field together so of course they weren't gelling they introduced Antonio Brown this um, this game so maybe that was throwing the game plan off a little bit or maybe the play calls a little bit so um, maybe they should just get Scotty Miller back into the game and getting regular snap percentages and they'll start winning again yeah who needs Antonio Brown when you have Scotty Miller yeah, two, two more kind of tiny but obvious notes for folks who didn't watch. Michael Thomas is back and fine. He looks yes. he looks really good. And uh, God, the Bucks just have got to figure out what to do with running back because rotating these guys seems like the worst option and it seems like what they're hell-bent on doing. It's also the worst option for fantasy managers because Ronald Jones was looking great having that backfield locked down and then he fumbles against the Giants and now we have to contend with Leonard Fournette being, you know, suddenly having a reliable role, but not enough of a role that he's like, you know, a true RB2 reliably. It's just like just flirting with it. It's just Bruce Arians giving us the middle, middle finger, giving the whole fantasy community the middle finger. you love to see it, but you really don't. Which, I mean, collectively we deserve, so. Okay. Right. <laughs> That's fair. Is, do you guys have any thought about, given the fact that we saw an even spread of targets across all of these guys, and there are so many mouths to feed in this offense, and per J.J. Zacharyson, on Twitter, he tweeted out that the air yards for the Bucks receivers last night, Mike Evans had 55, Chris Godwin 90, and Antonio Brown 99, which means they were looking to get the ball to Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown down the field. Do you guys have any thought about trying to sell Bucks players simply because of the fact that this offense is getting more and more muddled by the second and maybe trying to get out from under someone who, if, if, you're going, if these receivers are only going to see – five to eight targets a game because of all the weapons on the field that may be trying to sell like a Mike Evans or a Chris Godwin for someone who's maybe a, a number one option in their offense without like trying to sell a Chris Godwin for like a Terry McLaurin. I think that I'll just stand pat with everybody. Uh, this is going to be a frustrating offense for owners because they are going to spread the ball around because all these guys are good, but what are you going to get? Just the proposition that you laid up Chris Godwin for Terry McLaurin. I think I'd hold on to, to Godwin because you know Tom Brady is probably going to play again next year and the Washington team is still going to be Washington so thinking kind of long term like that but otherwise I think I'm just going to ride out the highs and the lows at this point with Tampa Bay I think they're going to get better 30 35 targets a game is still a lot for yep. really talented people so I am again just moving moving on from this game just completely as though it didn't happen <laughs> which may yeah. which may be stupid but I'm sticking to it um, I guess it kind of depends on the returns. Like if somebody makes you a, a decent offer, the Bucks don't have that difficult of a schedule coming up. Um, they play the Panthers next week, which they should have some options to throw the ball. Uh, the Rams might prove to be a little tough. Uh, Kansas City might end up needing to be a shootout. So game script could do that. Um, they have a buy in week 13. So that's kind of a juicy spot to have a buy for fantasy purposes especially if they still need to get things a little bit more on track and come together as a unit and then they can get you um, propelled into the playoffs over the next three weeks because then they play the vikings the falcons and the lions um, Ooh, that's so pretty saucy i would probably the receivers i would at least probably try to keep and make sure i'm getting um make sure i have some other plays ready to go to maybe offset some down weeks running backs i I don't even know what to do about that. <laughs> Burn those bridges. 
Uh, all right. Well, before we get into our next segment, um, we talked about some guys who you should be adding off waivers, particularly. I mean, I want to, again, emphasize J.D. McKissick, go get him. But are there anyone else, uh, starting with you, Clark, is there anyone else who you feel like you should be targeting on waivers this week? I'm just going to parrot what I said last week. Uh, Gus Edwards is the number one running back in Baltimore and is still only 30%, 37% owned in Yahoo leagues. He uh, had a fumble very early this week and they immediately went back to him. Uh, the Ravens had a first and goal from, I don't know, three, four yards out or something and gave the ball to Edwards three times. Uh, that's anecdotal, but that's the kind of anecdotal evidence you want in a committee situation of Harbaugh decided they were going to run the ball in and Gus Edwards got three shots at it and eventually punched it in. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is also a keep and a play because the Ravens are going back to their roots. They have realized the same things that we have realized. Uh, You should bench or release Marquise Brown. The passing game is just not going to happen. And the Ravens are back to being a really good football team just running constantly. Yeah. Yeah, as somebody with some Lamar and Mark Andrews stock, watching that sequence of three goal line runs with Gus Edwards is <laughs> pretty frustrating. But if you have Gussie, that's a pretty good bet. Got to keep, got to keep that uh, Gus the bus business booming, right, Clark? I mean, that business booms itself. I, you don't even need to do any advertising for it. Uh, a guy who he got injured in the middle of the game last or Sunday, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be anything serious. And we talked about him on Thursday's podcast. Preston Williams seems to have found new life with Tua Tungafailoa under center. He saw he was leading the Dolphins in targets. He had five targets, four catches, 60 yards and a touchdown before he went down with an injury and was like handily Tua's number one target. And then once he got injured, Devontae Parker stepped in and, and saw, you know, did the production that you saw on the final stat line, but he's only rostered, I think in like 18% of leagues on Yahoo, maybe, maybe closer to 20 now, but uh, certainly someone who I think you should be adding because he has seemed to be that, that guy for Tua and uh, a number one target for a quarterback, especially a young quarterback who's going to be looking to kind of pepper people who he feels comfortable with. You like to see it. Just got to watch that foot injury. Just, yeah pay attention monitor it with a uh an analytical eye yeah and if you saw to a play last week or two weeks ago in his not especially great half and then missed this week's game to looked like you would expect the fifth yes uh pick to look so you know don't don't panic i like williams i like parker too just as a cheaper option to kind of buy and hold uh because parker does have that upside the dolphins are Dolphins are pretty good. They're and clicking. They went out and surprised Arizona. Brian Flores, coach of the year. Is it too Yeah, early Parker to and uh, uh, Preston Williams both drew, uh, I believe, a couple deep pass interference penalties, uh, as did DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you frustrated DeAndre Hopkins owners. I think he got like 200 <laughs> yards in penalties and like four points in <laughs> Jordan, is there anyone on waivers who you're uh, targeting this week? Um, yeah, something to keep an eye on is the rookie in Denver, KJ Hamler. Um, Mm -hmm. so the other guy opposite of Jerry Judy, um, right now he's only 6% rostered in sleeper leagues. So, um, he's definitely available to you. He garnered 10 targets against Atlanta. Um, and every now and then you, you'll see him pop up and do something. He's been scoring a couple touchdowns and hopefully this 10 target performance is indicative of more things to come because he hasn't gotten that many targets just yet um he is a speed guy so he's a little bit boomer bust 
Um, and he, his snap percentages have been um, fairly consistent over 60%. Uh, so that's something that's good. And um, is the passing options in Denver are getting a little bit more limited now that their other rookie tight end, Albert Aquegbenum, has tore his ACL, unfortunately. That's so. a bummer. Um, they just also, keep on dropping pass catchers. Yeah. And Noah fan also got banged up, which was a bummer. Cause I was all ready for him to have a big week, but yeah, their, their pass catchers are, are getting thinner by the second. And as Clark said on Thursday's show, and we saw it readily uh, sh- rear its head again uh, this week was just that it seems like the Broncos have simplified the playbook for Drew Locke and Drew Locke is uh, becoming more comfortable and getting those wide receivers involved and, and making big plays down the field. So you'll love to see it. Especially because Hamler's just one of those guys where you're just like, let's just put the ball in his hand and like get him in space, let him do yeah. stuff, just make it easy. All right. Well, before we uh, look towards the rest of this season, we are going to take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, as we reach uh, a little bit past the midpoint of the NFL season, I am going to see how the rest of the guys, you guys, are feeling about a couple of players for the rest of the season in a new segment I like to call. Do you believe in this specific fantasy football player who has been playing very well slash very poorly recently? So let's start. You've outdone yourself once again, Pete. That's fantastic. Thank you, Clark. Thank you. Thank you. Great production. Just excellent. (laughs) Uh, Let's start with a player that uh, more than likely is available on your waiver wire. It's taken some time, but it seems like the Panthers have finally figured out how to use Curtis Samuel, who has put forward two back-to-back strong performances, scoring at least one touchdown in each and seeing work both in the ground and through the air. Jordan, we'll start with you. Do you believe Curtis Samuel has surpassed DJ Moore as the wide receiver two in Carolina from a fantasy perspective? From a fantasy perspective, he's, I feel like he's definitely more interesting to have and to play week to week. Um, he's started to heat up the past three weeks, um, getting targets, getting a couple handoffs. And I think that's largely attributed to um, Robbie Anderson. And you can kind of see that like the past two-ish weeks with Robbie Anderson, his fantasy points have started to decline a little bit. And that's because I think teams are finally figuring like, oh, crap, we have to cover Robbie Anderson, too. And that's taking a couple defenders, one or two at least, down the field and opening up all the underneath stuff for Curtis Samuel. And that's like basically where he can live. And he is kind of a hybrid. He's like a Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk mold where he's like 
kind of built like a running back, but he's playing wide receiver. And once you get him the ball and he can get that um, positioning in space, um, he has a tough matchup against Tampa next week. But other than that, it's pretty smooth sailing. So I'm, I'm definitely believing in Curtis Samuel right now. Yeah, I think Jordan nailed it. Three good games in a row. And there hasn't been any significant change that led to his breaking out. And uh, nothing is changing with McCaffrey going down and with Samuel having his strongest of those three good games with McCaffrey in the lineup. So stick with him. Yeah, I think that's that's also, I mean, you both hit on the points, but I think, Clark, what you said too, especially, is that we saw with with a Christian McCaffrey still seeing 10 targets and still putting up exactly what we'd expect from a Christian McCaffrey game uh, in week nine, Curtis Samuel had his best game of the season, nine targets, nine catches, 105 yards and a touchdown while adding 13 yards rushing. Um, so it just seems like he is, they have found a way to utilize him, get him the ball. And he's like you said, Jordan, he's talented enough that when he has the ball in his hands, he's going to make plays uh, in that kind of wide receiver running back mold. So yeah, I, I think it's a sweep from the three of us. I would, uh, if I, I would go get Curtis Samuel and I would be confidently starting him ahead of DJ Moore in fantasy from here on out. And I would be looking to shop G DJ Moore if I had him. Let's move on to player number two then, uh, who has seen his once firm hold over the backfield falter in recent weeks, thanks to the return of a healthy Philip Lindsay. Clark, I know this is near and dear to your heart. So we'll start with you. Uh, do you believe in Melvin Gordon to be a reliable RB2 moving forward? Or if you want to get even spicier, do you believe Melvin Gordon is even the top running back to roster in Denver anymore? No, I think Lindsay has very handily taken over this role. Uh, I was high on Gordon coming into the year, but you see these guys play together game in and game out. And Philip Lindsay is just the better player. And with Denver kind of uh, refiguring what they have, I don't know how they won't see that Philip Lindsay brings a lot more juice uh, than Gordon does. So completely out on Gordon would even sabotage drop him probably in some weeks. Yeah, that's going to be a no from me, dog. Um, I just don't trust overall that Melvin Gordon will be on the field week to week. Um, and it's not certainly like guaranteed that even when he is on the field, that he'll get the yardage that he needs to be fantasy relevant. Um, I think I, I look back at his game log over his career and I've done this every off season while deciding whether or not I should pick up Melvin Gordon, but he's only played a full 16 games once. And that's not something that you want to see. Um, that doesn't mean anything for this coming season, uh, but it does mean that he kind of, for whatever reason, he tends to miss a game or two and it could always be at like the very wrong time. Um, his upcoming schedule is pretty soft with the exception of, uh, New Orleans, who looked good the other night. Um, but the Broncos have just been inconsistent overall. They're 30th in DVOA right now in offense. So, Yeah, Jordan, you brought up the schedule. Let me read to you what the Broncos schedule is. They play the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Panthers, the, uh, the Bills, the Chargers, and then they end with the Raiders. All of those, except for the Saints, are like fantastic running back matchups uh, in fantasy. So I think that I think that we're seeing at the very least this offense, this backfield is going to be split between uh, Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Gordon, I feel like is trending downwards and Philip Lindsay is coming off of a bad game. So I think if you can, you should be trying to buy him on the cheap right now, because I think what we said is right, that ultimately 
I would be surprised if Philip Lindsay isn't the lead back for the rest of the season, at least in terms of touches. Like it's still going to be a split backfield. I doubt we see Philip Lindsay get like 20 carries a game or 20 touches a game, but I think he's going to see the lion's share of work. And we know we've seen him be the more productive back when he gets that kind of a, that work level. So if you can, I think you should be buying low on Philip Lindsay, especially God, that schedule is, is pristine moving forward. All right. Player number three, a lot has rightly been made about the Colts backfield in recent weeks. And as we try to figure out who is worth regularly starting or even worth rostering uh, yet again, rookie Jonathan Taylor was out snapped and out touched by Jordan Wilkins. And we saw, he saw as many snaps as Naheem Hines in week nine. This marks two weeks in a row that Taylor has seen under 35% of snaps in that backfield. There's a lot of potential here, much like the Broncos, like we just touched on a lot of potential in the Colts backfield as their remaining schedule features, the Titans twice, the Packers, the Texans twice, the Raiders and Jaguars. Uh, Jordan, do you believe Jonathan Taylor will reclaim this backfield to take full advantage of the Colts cushy schedule moving forward? Uh, I think he will. Uh, he's a first round running back and we've seen Jordan Wilkins on the Colts for like two years now. So it's clear that they um, thought that they had to avoid this off season at running back. And I think it's really just a matter of um, Jonathan Taylor kind of getting out of the doghouse. Um, he had a couple bad games. He was putting the ball on the ground. So it, it just kind of looks like Frank Reich and his coaching staff has like a no nonsense rule. Um, when it comes to that backfield, especially since the passing game has been a little bit wacky, like Philip Rivers has been playing well recently, but with T.Y. Hilton missing a game with Paris Campbell still out, um, Michael Pittman just getting back, it's been a little bit crazy. So they've been really just kind of leaning on their defense a lot to win these games and they don't need any help from their offense and giving the ball back to the other team right now. And um I might find a new guy until that happens. Uh, but like you said, Pete, the matchup is favorable in the upcoming games. Oh, Clark, Clark thoroughly agrees with everything that Jordan has said. Clark is just really, he is dying to see the New York jets take the field right now. <laughs> Let's move on then to player number four uh, with Stefan Diggs traded off to Buffalo. Everyone was drafting Adam Thielen to be a reliable surefire wide receiver one in fantasy this year. And he certainly started that way uh, as through the first five weeks, he was the best wide receiver in fantasy football in half point PPR. However, from week six onward, Thielen has been the wide receiver 69 nice in half point PPR, mainly due to the Vikings uh, offense completely transitioning to feed in Dalvin cook. Rightfully. So we are a Dalvin cook podcast and only letting Kirk cousins pass the ball 20 times. Clark, do you believe Adam Thielen is still a wide receiver one moving forward? I do. And I think that he's still going to be ranked there. It's just so hard to get away from him being so dominant uh, early in targets. Uh, Jefferson's coming on and excellent addition, but I just, it, it's hard to imagine Cook continuing on this absolutely blistering pace. He could. We've seen this from Gary Kubiak, uh, offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak's backs in the past with Arian Foster, but uh, Cook just doesn't really seem able to hold up to this. So I just don't see how you get away. I don't see how you get away from starting Adam Thielen unless you are just absolutely stacked. Uh, even Curtis Samuel over Adam Thielen week to week. I mean, I'm probably picking Adam Thielen and feeling more comfortable about that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think even as soon as next week, we could see um, Adam Thielen start to have his targets tick back up because the Vikings play the Bears. Um, I think the past two games for Minnesota has really just been 
a matter of game script fitting exactly what they need to just run the ball consistently and they don't really have to even worry about passing the ball in that case it's not a matter of their that they can't do it or that the not good anymore it's just that why pass it when they can run all over people and i think we've seen before that Thielen can kind of just he can solve his fantasy day in one drive like i've as a as a packers fan i've seen adam Thielen just kind of tear down a field and like just rip off 13 fantasy points in in one drive and it's it's a it's annoying but it's good for fantasy purposes um <laughs> they do have some good matchups coming up after the bears um they play the cowboys jags saints and bucks so they they'll definitely be in some more game scripts that favor the pass yeah i'm gonna tentatively agree with you guys i think i think obviously i agree with you clark it's hard to get away from Thielen. i think the only way you would it's it's just a matter of like should you contemplate trading him and if you're if your league has a as a trade deadline that's current or passing then the decision's more or less been made for you so i would obviously hold on to him i do think if we don't see like you said jordan he plays the bears and then the cowboys uh, the Bears should be a matchup that should contain Dalvin Cook, which then would hopefully force Kirk Cousins to pass the ball a little bit more. And the the target share has still been there for Thielen. It's just there hasn't been so many targets that he's needed to or that he's put up reli- you know reliable wide receiver one numbers. If after the Dallas game he's still and that's week eleven. If after week eleven he's still kind of like uh, like maybe flirting with high end wide receiver two value then I, I would start to be worried. And I would, if, if my league didn't have a, a trade deadline, which one of my leagues doesn't, then I would look to be shipping him off for, for the, for a piece that's more reliable, especially going into the fantasy playoffs. But I do think that it's a lull. We can accept the lull. And like what you said uh, to start Clark, Dalvin cook, he might as a Dalvin cook manager, I would totally be okay with this, but I have a hard time believing that he's going to keep this uh, level of production up, which means eventually Kirk cousins is going to need to throw the ball more than 20 times. So, all right, let's wrap up the show with a player that plenty of people had huge expectations for in a position that is a barren wasteland of reliable fantasy talent, uh, but has so far struggled to live up to his high draft value. Mark Andrews has posted a couple of big games this year, but he has five games in which he has had three or fewer catches and under 35 yards receiving in each. Drafted as a guy to rival, got there eventually, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle atop tight end rankings. Jordan, I'll make this one simple. Do you still believe in Mark Andrews? Um, I think if you can trade him, maybe you should. Uh, But by default, you kind of have to continue to believe in Mark Andrews because you likely drafted him high and there's not a lot of tight end options on the waiver wire that are going to be like consistent week to week plays. Um, the problem here is that the, with the Ravens losing Ronnie Staley or Ronnie Staley, Ronnie Stanley, you might um, see like a higher uptick in Nick Boyle being used in the offense. And we saw this play out on Sunday when Nick Boyle's snap percentage went up to 78%. Uh, because he's a little bit more of a blocking tight end, but you even saw Nick Boyle steal one of Mark Andrews touchdowns. That's not something you like to see. Um, Mark Andrews snap percentage hasn't gone above 70 percent, 70% since week three. Um, I believe in Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh to kind of right the ship and figure some things out. But right now you're just kind of, you're in no man's land with this tight end position. He's getting you like five points a game and you kind of just have to swallow it if you don't have any other options. 
Yeah, I just want to take this minute to point out that something that a lot of us, including myself, sometimes do in the offseason saying, oh, I'm going to pass on this person and I'll just do a committee later. Uh, this Mark Andrews is kind of the was the bottom of that top, maybe new top three. And, uh, you know, in a points per game uh, view, Travis Kelsey is absolutely murdering everyone else at tight end uh, and George Kittle. Uh, a very strong and absolutely by himself second, of course, before his injury, put him out for the end of the year. Uh, so this is just really a public service announcement reminder. Uh, next year, when there is clearly just one tight end uh, and you say first or second round value for a tight end is is dumb. I understand not going with it, but no, it's not dumb. Uh, Kelsey's been incredibly consistent. I don't see Mark Andrews turning it around because I don't see the Ravens turning it around. Uh, one note, I think we had here and discussed or missed was Des Bryant getting activated off of the Ravens practice squad, which doesn't help anything here. Uh, a, a big dude who I think is just going to block and go over the middle to maybe further eat into Mark Andrews. I don't know. This could just be the trough that the Ravens are in and they're going to break out of it and be high flying again. But I think it's more likely we're seeing the Ravens just going back to rushing the ball like they used to. And Mark Andrews isn't going to get that insane touchdown disparity that he did last year. Yeah. I think if you have Mark Andrews, you should be looking to trade him right now and you can go onto the waiver wire. And in, I think like 50% of leagues, he is available. Go add Jimmy Graham. Your boy, Jordan, Jimmy Graham is uh, doing it all for the Chicago bears and is like a tight end five, I think, or something like that. Uh, And he's just sitting pretty on your waiver wire, most likely. So that is, that is what you should be doing. Cause I, yes, I agree with everything that's been said. This Ravens passing attack, I have no faith in. Marquise Brown is dead to me. And uh, and Mark Andrews, if I had him on my roster, it would also be dead to me. But I don't. So he is not. He's dead to someone else. Already cut bait with Hollywood. <laughs> oh, God. It is so – I don't want to, but I do have to. And that's very upsetting to me. Because, God damn it, didn't he just – he had all of the pieces – to be to break out and have like a thousand yard season with eight touchdowns and you were like yeah i'm getting that in the ninth round and then it has clearly not happened he was uh, overdraft but we live we learn we love we die that's the way of the world and with that we will sign off Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Tunes Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That is how you'll not only get us, but also our fantasy baseball and basketball podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. We will be back at you on Thursday to talk week 10 starts and sits. Until then, peace.